Hello, this is Pastor Luke. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Our mission is to grow disciples and multiply churches who will glorify God and transform communities. For more information on our church, visit hendersonmbchurch.com. It is good to be back. Uh, we took some vacation time last week. We, we found just that uh, with, with this role, kind of that after Christmas, after New Year's, is the best time to take a few days off, and so we did that. And uh, it was kind of fun. I, the, um, uh, one of the first things, you can start those pictures, Zach, just a couple pictures of our trip, but um, we went to Kansas City, spent some time at Great Wolf Lodge um, with, uh, with family there. Great Wolf Lodge is just a giant indoor water park. Kids loved it, um, huge hit, that kind of thing. Um, and then what happened, though, is that we had uh, some friends that were moving from Hillsboro to Ohio. He was taking a job there. They didn't know anyone in Ohio. And, you know, we, we said to Joanne and I said to each other, like, we've done that big cross-country trip. That's, that's a big thing. And, uh, and we kind of had this irresponsible thought of, I wonder if it would work if we traveled with them and helped them move. And that just kind of snowballed. And uh, God, I, I think God orchestrated some neat things that, that came together. So... After Great Wolf Lodge, we uh, climbed into a moving truck with them and a minivan with them. I don't know if the minivan picture is up. I think it was a previous... I'm really glad I don't have to ride in the back seat of a minivan for like 10 hours. That looks awful. Um, so we loaded up with them and, and spent two days driving out to Ohio with them and uh, helped them unpack. And uh, that's pretty much the exact same truck that we moved in when we moved here. And so I just want you to know that as I was helping unpack, I muttered many apologies to those of you who helped us unpack. Um, I have a renewed love of the garage sale. And uh, so anyways, I, my, my thanks and my apologies to, to those of you who helped us unpack seven years ago. And, uh, but yeah, it was a great time. And then my grandma lives in Ohio. This is my grandma. She's 99. She lives on her own and uh, still doing great. I mean, she was up to like two years ago. She was still doing CrossFit. Like we have videos of her on the rower. You know, just kind of taking her time, doing her thing. Um, not anymore, but uh, anyway. So, um, yeah, we had a, a great time. She's still a, a pretty good card shark, and uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Um, she also recently had one of those, like, chairs installed that goes up and down the steps. Huge hit with the kids, let me tell you. Um, I even took a couple laps on it. It was kind of fun, uh, but you need some time. So, anyways, that, that's where we have been for the last little bit. Uh, there were a few other kind of uh, interesting parts of the journey that, that I won't go into this morning, but uh, it, was, it was a great trip, but very good to be back. Uh, in the first few years that, that I was here, so, so we moved here, like I said, about seven years ago, and we really didn't have, or at least I don't think, we really had like a, a clearly articulated mission statement. Like, I mean, I had found some stuff uh, you know, kind of lying around, but, but it really didn't seem something that people referenced a lot. And in my background, you know, I was coming out of, you know, missions agency, nonprofit, and, and there your, your vision statement is really, really important because that's your compass. And, um, and not only does it articulate what you do, but it also articulates what you don't do. And in some ways that can be more helpful just because of all the opportunities that are out there. I mean, what do we do and what do we, what, what are we going to not do. And, um, and so it was, to, to reflect on it, it's interesting, but in those first couple years, there were actually a lot of, or I remember struggling with, with what should have been simple day-to-day -day decisions, but they were hard 
because, because I didn't have the compass heading yet. Like, like we didn't have kind of that, that mission vision kind of articulated. And so when you don't know what direction the whole ship is going, then sometimes your day-to-day to stuff is like, I don't, like, I don't know. Like, what should we do? And, and so it was just a little bit, bit hard for me. So since then, we have articulated a mission statement. We, we have it up here on the banners. Um, it's, it's, it's probably more ambitious than a church of our size uh, should be embarking on. And, um, but it's what we got for now, and maybe someday we'll change it, but, but this is where we're at, and, and it's our compass heading. So twice a year we do a Vision Sunday. Today's a, a Vision Sunday, and um, it's possible, probable, that some of you have been here for a Vision Sunday before. That's fine. That's great. Um, very intentional, though, about doing a Vision Sunday at, at the beginnings. So we do one in January at the beginning of the calendar year. We do one in fall kind of at the beginning of the, the ministry year, and we do that for a couple reasons. First of all, just the, the, the books and the podcasts and, and the conversations and, and the wise leaders, um, a lot of them say some variation of vision leaks. That, that's kind of the, the most concise version I've heard. Some may call it mission drift, but just this idea that vision leaks. It can happen in business. It can happen in church or nonprofit. It can actually happen in families, in, in your own home, with your family. And, and just this idea, though, that, that if we don't review periodically, we just tend to slowly forget what it is that we're trying to do around here and, 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 and what does success look like and what is it that we are trying to accomplish. And so it's important to review it um, regularly. Uh, secondly, it, this is just something that we all need to know really well. I mean, this is not something that is exclusive just to, to leadership team like everyone needs to understand what, what we're trying to accomplish and, and how we articulate success. And so we'll review it periodically. There was, I don't remember where I read this story. Uh, a, a, ser- a, a pastor had preached a sermon, uh, and this guy came up, and this is shocking, I know, but bear with me, but the pastor had repeated some stuff. I know, please, hold your gasps. And, um, and this guy came up, and he was like, I got you, I see and I think he even had notes in his Bible, and he was like, I knew where you were going. I've heard this before. Like, I knew what points you were going to cover. I got you. And uh, as the guy was walking away, pretty impressed with himself, the pastor was like, actually, I think I got you because you learned something. Like, that's what was supposed to happen. Like, that pretty much just defined success for us. So anyways, um, if afterwards you're thinking, I think I knew all that, then, then that's good, like this morning was, was a su- success. So um, here, here's uh, another reason, and I think one of the most important reasons, but just as an organization, you know, as, as a church, it is so helpful to where everything is connected to, to that vision statement, and so everything kind of needs to tie into or, or be connected or sprout from or something, that, that vision statement, and to the point where, it, like, if a ministry or a decision is not somehow connected to our vision statement, then one of them is wrong and needs to be corrected. Maybe the ministry or the decision was wrong. Maybe the, the vision statement is, is actually kind of out of whack, right? But, but one of those needs to change so, so that they are brought in in alignment. So, I mean, we're, we have limited resources and money, talent, people, space, etc. We can't do everything. And so this just kind of helps us narrow, narrow the focus. So where, where do we begin on all, on all this? Um, to answer those questions, you always have to begin at the right place. 
Wrong foundations will get you wrong direction. So we always start, what's the foundation? Where do we start? And we start with Jesus. That's, that's kind of where this, this all begins. All of Scripture is about Jesus. We start with, with Jesus. What was his purpose? What was his agenda? That kind of thing. And it's actually kind of an interesting discussion, sometime if you're bored, to, to just talk about, okay, why did Jesus come? And, and to, expo- and, and to kind of listen to what people might say or, or where they would go with that, there's about 15 to 20 verses um, that I've seen so far where, where we have a very clearly articulated statement where, you know, Jesus came to, Son of Man came to, you know, God, like that kind of thing, right? And, and, and if you look at those and, and kind of get the, the general flow of those, um, the, the primary mission— and, and primary is an important word. The, the primary purpose was to reconcile as many people to God as possible. I mean, to, to, to provide that salvation, to die for our sins, pay that penalty so that we could be reconciled to God. Um, in today's world, I think that's worth pointing out the, the primary reason why he came. Because I'm about to say something and, and it could get misconstrued, but just kind of hang with me here, here till the end. The, the primary Jesus on why the primary reason on why Jesus came, if you really go through it, really had nothing to do with social causes, and the, and let me just kind of unpack that because social causes are are important, um, but they're also super popular. But really, if you look at that collection of like fifteen to twenty verses on why did Jesus come, there's nothing mentioned about the environment. There's nothing mentioned about the poor and rich. There's nothing mentioned about equal rights. There's nothing to mention about your First Amendment right or your Second Amendment right or anything like that. They really do focus on reconciliation between us and God. Uh, For example, 1 Timothy 1.15, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Um, Luke 19.10, the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Now, that said, a lot of social causes do flow out of the gospel, and those are very important. And I believe that those are part of our mandate of the church. And it is very important that, that we be engaged with those. I mean, that is part of loving neighbor as self. That, that is important. But the greatest commandment is not loving people. The greatest commandment is loving God. It is the second greatest commandment to love people. And what you will see happen is that when churches or an individual invert those or flip those, that is where I think that you will see churches start to go adrift. And so it's important for us to know those, but to understand them in, in kind of their, their, proper, their proper order. If we get confused on why Jesus came, then everything else goes wrong. Uh, um, that, is, that is why we've got to keep that at the forefront. Why did Jesus come? Jesus articulated his, I, I think, in, in, in two key statements. One, we have nicknamed the Great Commission. Uh, Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always till the end of the age. The, the grammar on that, and I forget all the technical terms, but, but the core of that whole sentence is the make disciples. And then everything pretty much builds around that, make disciples. Um, so that's Matthew 28, 18 to 20. The other one we have nicknamed the Great Commandment. Uh, this is again, uh, okay, so teacher, which is, which is the Great Commandment in the law? And he said to them, so Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. 
This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So Matthew 22, 36 to 39. So we can best understand the mission of Jesus in those two statements, which we have nicknamed Great Commission, Great Commandment. To achieve that mission, Christ formed an institution, an organization, some would say people group, he calls it his church. And so the purpose of the church, to go to all the corners of the globe, and in those places fulfill the the mission of Jesus Christ, and then each church is going to customize their methods, their presentation, their techniques based on the people, the culture, the era, that kind of thing. Right now, Taylor Queering is in Peru, short-term missions trip, going to spend a couple weeks there fantastic um while there she's going to work and interact and serve the local missionaries and the local church she's going to witness church and a lot of it's going to be very similar to what she grew up with here and a lot of it is going to be very unique to the peruvian culture people kind of their their strengths and struggles and that kind of thing fantastic that's how it's supposed to happen you have the timeless message of jesus christ with a customized presentation catering to the local people groups and and the local need. If you want kind of the fancy terms on this, uh, we start with our Christology. Who is Christ? Christology. We start with that. From that flows our missiology, uh, our mission. Uh, what What was he about? From our missiology flows our ecclesiology, which is church and how we do church. And so it's not that the church has a missions department, Rather, it's that the mission of Christ has a church. Our Christology informs our missiology, informs our ecclesiology. Those are the fun words, like if you want to be the cool kid at lunch today. So, there you are. Um, As Mennonite brethren, we believe the purpose of the global church begins with the Great Commission and, and the Great Commandment. So then once we have that established, then we have to figure out how do we do that practically? Uh, what does that look like in, in our community? You know, what does that look like for, for us as Living Hope Church? And so to that end, we came up with grow disciples and multiply churches who glorify God and transform communities. And honestly, it works if you switch them, right? You can say, well, we want to glorify God and transform communities by grow disciples and multi- whatever. They're, they're interchangeable. Now, some of you know what I'm going to say next. Because you've been here before, and you're smart, and you saw this coming. Um, All we did is reword and summarize the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. Like, like we didn't come up with something new. We sat down with, like, a thesaurus. And, like, what's a new word for that one, right? I mean, this isn't clever or new. This is actually, like, a couple thousand year old, just tweaked on the wording. Okay? That's, That's all it is. Um, This is our contemporary, contextual, summarized expression of Great Commission, Great Commandment. Um, Grow disciples, multiply churches, that's the Great Commission. Expressed both individually and and kind of corporately, um, making disciples, you know, one by one, um, and then making disciples in groups, multiplying churches. How did Jesus make disciples? He took a bunch of people. Uh, They lived with him for three years. He taught them things, and then he left, and then they were on their own. How did his disciples make disciples? They planted churches. Like, like if you look at how did disciple-making happen after Jesus, uh, a lot of it was was church planting. Um, So, um, 
that, that's a great commission. Uh, glorify God, transform communities. We went with that for wording on um, the, the great commandment, to love God and to love people. So we've got our contemporary, contextual uh, expression, the great commission, great commandment. Um, in the past, I've gone over these in more detail. I'm not going to do that today. I, like, I'll skim over them real quick, just kind of as a review. It is good stuff to know. Um, but then I actually just want to spend just a few moments uh, sharing just some of the things that I've learned kind of this last year about a couple different aspects of this and maybe kind of some, some deepening convictions. Um, but just kind of a quick flyover um, all of, over, over these because uh, it, it's good to know. Um, so grow disciples. Uh, for, for starters, each of them begin with a verb, right? The you smart people probably figure that out. Grow, great word, takes time, proper care, nutrition, environment, it's slow, it's organic, uh, so we use the grow. The other thing, too, is there's really great symbolism uh, attached to each of those. Not going to cover that today. Um, the command was to go and make disciples, so we want to make disciples, so, so grow disciples. The strategy on this, large group, small group, no group. Large group is what we do here. Small group is like your Sunday school, your ministry team, that kind of thing. And then no group is you and your Bible, some Jesus time, regular intervals, that kind of deal. Um, and to grow as a disciple requires all three. Uh, you're just kind of shortchanging yourself if you only do one. Multiply churches. Uh, like we said, when Jesus made disciples, he did one-on-one. Great strategy, still a place for that. When his disciples made disciples, they, they planted uh, churches. Um, so because of this, we're engaged in mission and church planning, the strategy, local, uh, national, and global. Local, we're not actually really doing anything at the moment. Uh, national, you know, our uh, relationship with Greenhouse and then global, our relationship with Kenton and Kedron Miller, Paul and Sarah Rogas, and I uh, need to get some more people out there. Uh, glorify God. Uh, this is our version of loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Really, this could be kind of the core of all of it. Um, this is going to include things like our prayer culture, our worship, how we handle our finances, obedience, how we live in community, and uh, what, what does godly living look like? How do we talk to one another and about one another? That kind of thing. Uh, transform communities. Um, we, this is, we use that wording because, um, I mean, to, to say love your neighbor is, is very good. Love is kind of a vague word in our language. I don't know if you've caught on to that because I can say I love my wife. Uh, and I love Mexican food. And while both are true, right, totally different meaning, okay? Like there's just different weight to those, even though it's the, the same word. And so we wanted something that um, also was very visible, right? Because if you love someone, then there should be some kind of sign of that, and they, they should know about that. Um, so this is going to be things like Vacation Bible School and Wednesday Night Live and Love Henderson and Backpack Program, Christmas in the Barn, uh, the new Mom and Tots program that, that just started up. Even our community church service in the summer. So, big picture summary, what we do, why we do it. Um, a, a few places where I have have learned something, and so just want to share a few thoughts or, or perhaps clear convic- conviction uh, as it pertains to um, our mission. Um, we talked a lot about the, the large group, small group, no group, under, under grow disciples, um, the, uh, I would, I would offer that, um, so large group is the Sunday service, okay? That's us here, when do we start? 10.30, 10.30 to 
ish, depending on how the sermon goes. Okay, so that's our large group gathering. Uh, I would offer that during this time, the two most important things are the preaching of the word and the corporate worship. Um, we do some other stuff that's good. I mean, we tithe, uh, we, we give some updates, we do a little business, maybe a kid's program, that kind of thing. It's very good. Um, but the two most important things that, that need to happen that are really unique to this time is the preaching of the word and, and the corporate worship. And so we've really actually intentionally tried to keep this a very simple Sunday service where really the bulk of the, the time um, goes to those two things. That's been very intentional to keep a very kind of simple, streamlined Sunday morning. Um, and so just kind of a, a growing conviction around that, that, that we continue to emphasize those. The small group, uh, so that would be like, um, you know, your, your Sunday school, uh, your midweek programs, maybe a ministry team as well too. Here's my observation on this. Um, probably, other true, probably true of other churches, maybe true of all churches, I'm not sure. Uh, but, I've, but I've been here long enough now where I can say that like, like we definitely see this pattern for um, our church. And that is that as a general rule, those that get plugged into a small group stay, and those that don't get plugged into a small group leave within six months to two years. Almost 100%. Um, based on just kind of some loose notes, I'd say maybe a dozen families. Uh, have shown up, been a part of our community for a while, uh, did not get engaged in some kind of small group or ministry team, uh, and then and then moved on. Now it is, I mean, it's a two-way street, right? I mean, someone needs to want to be engaged, like you can't force them. So so there is, there is some some responsibility there. But I, I think the takeaway, though, on our part is to be able to to provide small groups. Here's the other thing, too, that we have observed, and, and actually we, the reason we knew to look for this is, is be just other good books that, that we've read on this. Um, new, new families, new visitors require new groups. It does not work for uh, a new family or, or a new couple or that kind of thing um, to try to plug them into some kind of established group where everyone's known each other for years and decades, and, and they've already kind of been plugged in for a really, really long time. New families need new groups. Um, otherwise, the, that connection just, just doesn't happen. It, now, the other thing is that it can, it can kind of work if people plug in with like a, a, a ministry as compared to a small group. Uh, it's a little bit different. Um, still kind of observing, trying to, to, to figure out that one. But, but here's, the, here's the thing that they have in common. Friendships are built in small groups. As wonderful as our large group time is, this is a horrible time to make good friendships. I mean, you're all sitting in nice, tidy rows. You're looking at me. I'm talking at you. We're having fun. I'm having fun. I hope you have fun. Uh, this is a good space. This needs to happen. Horrible way to make friends. Horrible way to make friends. I mean, the, the little bit of mingling before and after, like, it's cute, but that's not friendship-making. That's, that's, hi, how are you, lovely weather, um, you know. I mean, like, it's just, it's, it's tough. So I, I, the, the, the takeaway on that, for our church to become healthier, 
like I said, a little bit of work on, on both sides. People are going to want to join. But as, as we establish community uh, just to provide opportunities for new small groups, and a large part of that is people willing to be new small group leaders. So um, just some observations on that. Multiplying churches, uh, kind of another learning point on that one. Uh, in the last couple of years, we, we really haven't done anything with multiplying churches locally. Uh, for a while, there was a group we'd meet in my office and we'd pray over a map of Nebraska and that kind of thing. Honestly, it just kind of fizzled out, probably my bad. Um, but it just it didn't seem like we have the, the momentum needed by ourselves to really planting other churches locally. Um, the, the vision for planting or, or seeing other churches open in rural Nebraska, that has not died. Okay, that is still there. And I still firmly believe that that is part of our calling and part of our responsibility. I believe that one day when we stand before God and we need to give an account for everything that we were supposed to do, part of the question is, hey, what did you do with helping establish other small churches in rural Nebraska? Because that was your turf and your people, and what did you do about it? Okay. But I am starting to wonder if that needs to be more of a cooperative effort, maybe between three, four churches working together. Maybe that needs to be something where, you know, we, we get connected with two, three, four other churches, and, and we work to, to see something uh, set up, started, initiated, um, that kind of deal. So, um, yeah, just that's kind of some learning around that. I would also add, though, too, that if we were to ever open up a, a satellite campus, I do think the rebranding process that we just completed was critical for that. And, and so I, I think that is a pretty significant thing that, that just happened. So for this, I would say just keep praying into this one. Uh, this is probably one of those things, you know, where community prays about it for years, and then one day it just takes off at, at lightning speed. That, that happens too. Um, and maybe start having some exploratory conversations with other churches. I'm not sure. But I will say that the vision is not dead, but we may need to, to rethink perhaps what that, what that strategy would, would look like simply because I, I, I do think that that responsibility is, is on us. Last conviction um, I would share with you, it's partly around preaching, but it, it's really mainly associated with our beliefs and our culture as a church. Um, Paul is writing to, to Timothy, uh, and he writes this. This is 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Um, he goes, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus... Um, who is to judge the living and the dead, uh, to preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season, reprove, re rebuke, exhort uh, with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itchy ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Okay, a lot could be said on that one. So, so first conviction, though, on this, and, and, and I do believe that this is a shared conviction for, for most people here, but just that the Bible is true. All of it. Like, it's, like it's, all, it's all true. Um, I think we are seeing more and more people are carving or deleting parts of Scripture so that Scripture will fit their beliefs or their lifestyle as compared to saying, all of scripture is true, I need to adjust my beliefs, I need to adjust my lifestyle to fit scripture, right? Like, like what is being asked to accommodate what? 
Um, to that end, I typically preach exegetically or like a version of it, right? We take a, a, a book of the Bible or a section of Scripture and we just walk through it start to finish. Try to go back and forth between Old Testament and New Testament because both have relevance. And so we kind of bounce back and forth um, that way. Um, but we are trusting that as we encounter the truth of Scripture, it speaks to our lives. It speaks to how we live. Um, some parts of it we love because we agree with it, and we're like, yeah. And then other parts we're like, that's awkward, and doesn't fit my life, and can we skip that? Um, and so that's where exegetically forces our hand to just deal with the awkward part. Because I've had way more awkward sermons than I would ever want to, right? But that's kind of what was next in the passage, and so that's what we had to deal with. Secondly, the idea just that, that the Bible is relevant. One of my growing passions is just that, that people would understand that even for our contemporary issues, you can find stuff in Scripture that, that speak to that. And, and our world today is wrestling with a lot of just big, controversial life questions, right? I mean, just uh, recently, kind of one of the big things is gender identity and gender fluidity. I mean, issues of race and reconciliation and Christianity and Christians and politics and that kind of thing and tensions in the Middle East and identity and self-worth. I absolutely, absolutely believe that we can take any one of those questions, kind of use it as a lens, go over Scripture, and we will find some of God's truth speaking into that issue. We might have to do a little bit of homework, but I, I believe that it is there. That, that God's word will speak to that. And so the so, so part of that is just preaching and preaching approach. I mean, we I preach exegetically. Sometimes we'll do a sermon series. I mean, that happens too. But it's, it's also, I would say, a church culture issue in this, in that do we trust God enough to believe that God has given us truth to all of today's hard questions in Scripture. And, it, and it's, I don't think it's a question, do we trust Scripture? I think it's, do we trust God enough that, that He has embedded that in there um, for us? And the other thing, this is a big statement. We don't have time to unpack it completely. But just so we are looking to the Holy Spirit, as the author, we are looking to the Holy Spirit to help us unpack and understand Scripture and, and what they were trying to convey to us. So, we could say a lot more about equipping the saints and corporate worship and kids' ministry and loving our neighbor and prayer culture and evangelism and local mission and how we care for and support one another and repentance, all kinds of great stuff. Don't have time to cover it all today. Um, but just as a reminder that, that it is a gift to us that God has invited us to work with him, partner with him, take his lead, follow him, in seeing his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That, that's a gift that we get invited into that, that mission. And so that is something that we want to be faithful in. That each of us individually and even corporately, one day when we stand before God, we get to, you know, were we found faithful with what he entrusted in, into our care? We have a timeless message. It is good for all people, all cultures, all eras. Um, but we must be wise and strategic about presenting that and, and how we live that message out in our local context. So, excited to be doing it with all of you. 
And let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we do thank you for your word and for your truth. Lord, we thank you for the gift of uh, being able to, to work with you, to follow your lead and seeing your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And um, Lord, thank you for this timeless message. And Lord, may we be faithful stewards of it. And may we continue to work and refine and, and uh, just strive to see this message given to as many people as possible uh, in this area, Lord. And um, Lord, may we be um, faithful to your truth and to your, to your message. Uh, we don't want to get it wrong or out of balance or inverted or anything like that. We want to be faithful to that. And um, so thank you for this group of people. Thank you for the opportunity of working together um, on, this, uh, on this mission uh, that you have entrusted into our care. Lord, and I pray for each person here that one day as we stand before you that we would be found faithful with all that you entrusted into our care. We love you and we worship you. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you were enriched and encouraged. If you have questions about Christ or church or would like more information, visit our website at hendersonmbchurch.com or email me directly at luke at hendersonmbchurch.com. We hope you have a fantastic week. Take care and God bless.